Hello, welcome to a new podcast for the Lancet Gastroenterology and Hepatology. I'm Gavin Cleaver. The May 2018 issue of the Lancet Gastroenterology and Hepatology is out now, and one of the articles featured is a randomised controlled trial on Cromer endoscopy versus autofluorescence imaging for neoplasia detection in patients with long-standing ulcerative colitis. I'm joined by the first author on the paper, Dr. Jasper Vlogels. Welcome, Jasper. Hi. Thank you for uh, for calling me. You're very welcome. So, Jasper, to set the stage, can you tell me how many people are affected by ulcerative colitis, and why is it so important that these patients have regular colonoscopies? Yes. Uh, first, something about the disease. Ulcerative colitis is a long-term condition that results in inflammation and ulcers of the colon and rectum. So, uh, the primary symptom is active disease uh, with abdominal pain and diarrhea mixed with blood and often these symptoms come on slowly and can range from mild to severe and the cause of the disease is unknown but uh, together with Crohn's disease about 100 million people are globally affected as of 2015 and patients with long-standing ulcerative colitis they are at higher risk for developing colorectal cancer than the general population and this risk begins to increase once a patient has had disease symptoms for about 8 to 10 years, and then also depends on the extent of the colonic inflammation. Um, inflammation of the colon can cause continuous turnover of cells in the intestinal lining and thereby increases the risk of uh, cell irregularities that may lead to colon cancer. And although the vast majority of people with ulcerative colitis will never develop cancer, it is highly treatable when found early at surveillance colonoscopy, and that's why it is important that these people have regular colonoscopies. So what's the current gold standard approach to surveillance colonoscopy, and what does it entail in terms of detecting potentially cancerous lesions? So as colorectal cancer develops uh, gradually in patients with ulcerative colitis from dysplastic lesions as precursor and intermediate and well treatable precursor lesions, uh, detection of dysplastic lesions is the immediate goal of surveillance colonoscopy, with the understanding, of course, that detection of dysplasia may improve clinical outcomes such as lowering colorectal cancer incidence or even mortality. And due to these, uh, due to ongoing inflammation, the dysplastic lesions are usually flat and hard to distinguish, and uh, the ongoing inflammation also results in the presence of inflammation-related lesions, and therefore it is difficult to detect dysplastic lesions. So during the last several decades, several techniques have been studied to improve dysplastic lesion detection uh, during surveillance colonoscopy of patients with long-standing ulcerative colitis. And chromoendoscopy is one of the techniques that is studied, and this is a technique in which dye spray, either methylene blue or indigo carmine is sprayed onto the colonic mucosa to highlight differences between normal and abnormal mucosa, thereby increasing the detection of dysplastic lesions. So compared with standard white light endoscopy, several trials and also meta-analysis of these trials have shown that chromoendoscopy significantly increases the detection of dysplasia during colonoscopy and is therefore recommended in several national and international guidelines as preferred methods for dysplasia surveillance. Well, so you mentioned in your paper that chromoendoscopy has not been fully adopted into clinical practice yet. So why is that? Well, the, the, the application of dyes onto the mucosa requires special training. It is cumbersome, messy, and therefore also uh, increases the procedure time. And there's also several other factors that contribute to suboptimal intake of 
chromoendoscopy in clinical practice as there is a uh, there are varying uh, national and international recommendations and there's also uh, a lack of robust ev evidence that demonstrates the benefit of chromoendoscopy over other uh, surveillance strategies and this gives uh, gave rise to some skepticism among uh, gastroenterologists and these reasons combined make that chromoendoscopy is not fully adopted in clinical practice yet. So your study compares chromoendoscopy with autofluorescence imaging. Why did you choose this particular technique for comparison? Why, why is autofluorescence an attractive alternative? And what are, I guess, what are some of the theoretical advantages? Well, autofluorescence imaging is a technique that was developed to improve detection of dysplastic lesion. And the technique is based on uh, excitation of endo uh, endogenous tissue fluorophores, collagen, by, by blue light. Um, and the subsequent emission of fluorescent light at a shorter wavelength. Well, this is all very technical, but um, the intensity of um, autofluorescence light emitted by uh, dysplastic and normal um, tissue differs. And by detecting the a difference between dysplastic and normal lesions, there, uh, the endoscopic system processes these uh, images, the, the difference, into sort of a pseudo-color image. And with autofluorescence imaging, dysplastic lesions appear purple and non-dysplastic uh, normal mucosa appears green. And this difference in color increases um, uh, the uptake, well, the, the, the detection of uh, uh, dysplastic lesions. And this is a push-button technology that does not rely on additional dyes or uh, catheters and is also less likely to prolong the procedure time compared with chromoendoscopy. So um, autofluorescence imaging, uh, the images may also be easier and simpler to, interpret, to, uh, to understand than chromoendoscopy images because dysplasia can be detec detected by a simple color change. The downside of using autofluorescence imaging is that the resolution and image stability is quite poor compared with uh, high-definition white light endoscopy. And the endoscopists are therefore highly reliant on the, uh, the, the color changes to identify potential dysplastic lesions. Both autofluorescence imaging and chromoendoscopy have been shown to be superior to white light uh, uh, endoscopy for dysplasia detection, but have never been compared in a, in a head-to-head comparison. Well, so the design of your trial is quite uh, unique. Can you tell us a little bit about the rationale behind this particular study design? A formal non-inferiority trial comparing both techniques would have required more than 1,300 participants, and uh, especially in a, in a disease that is um, quite, well, it's not, it does not is not very prevalent, it is hard to find 1,300 participants. Uh, so therefore we decided to do a sort of a phase two pathfinder study and we uh, defined predefined performance uh, thresholds. So we determined that autofluorescence imaging would be clinically non-inferior to chromoendoscopy if the dysplasia detection rate with autofluorescence imaging was 33% of the dysplasia detection by chromoendoscopy. 
And this margin of 33% was based on the expert opinion of clinicians participating in the study. And all these clinicians have experience in clinical trials of endoscopic techniques to increase dysplasia detection in uh, ulcerative colitis patients. These uh, clinicians also serve on national committees related to endoscopies. So this 33% margin is likely to reflect um, the difference that clinicians would be prepared to accept before a technique would be um, sufficiently inferior to the other uh, technique. Um, and this would also uh, further support that the endoscopic community would not uh, uh, participate in a formal non-inferiority